Thanks, everybody, again, for joining us on the Ripe with Wisdom podcast. You got your host, Jesse, along with my two co-hosts. Jose. And Mix. And today we got the privilege of sitting alongside one of my great mentors, Luis Gallegos. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Mm-hmm. And thank you for joining us. Today we are sipping a 2022 Sauvignon Blanc from a private label yeah. called Surcos, who if you haven't heard of, you should check out. What do you think about this wine? Mm. Well, you know what I always say. It tastes like berries. You know? Yeah. <laughs> what a mm. doubt. <laughs> to me, it tastes like wine. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I'm, that, I'm, I'm that kind of wine drinker. It's dry. Uh, it's yeah. dry. I mean, <laughs> hey, man, for it's me, it tastes like wine. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you tell people a little bit about Surcos <laughs> before we deep dive on it? Yeah, no, for sure. Surcos Wines. That was born in 2019, right before COVID. I've been in the industry for quite some time now, mm-hmm. uh, 24 years, and... Um, and it was finally time for me to jump on ship, jump yeah. on the train, and start creating my own brand. Not just making wine or working with wine, but making your own. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. I've been making wine for people for a long time. And mm-hmm. I thought to myself that, hey, you know what? I could do the same for myself yeah. and for yeah. my family. <laughs> exactly. So that's where, that's where Surcos was uh, born. So Surcos is a Spanish term for the vineyard rows. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, so if you got a vineyard or a block of 20 rows... Those are 20 surcos. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they are rows. Yes, mm. vineyard rows. Um, so I wanted to talk about my family's legacy. Um, so this is where I thought about surcos. You know, everything starts in the surcos. Mm. Everything starts mm. in the vineyards. So back in the days when I first started in 99, I did make a Cabernet Sauvignon. 2000, 2001, 2002, just for fun. And it was just like random grapes. I don't uh, know. Bucket blend. It was bathtub wine. <laughs> oh, nice. And then, um, oh, that's that's my, a bucket label. So right. it was me and a buddy. So I was a bigger boy back in the days. They called me bull. Uh-huh. But they would call me bull because I would shovel the grapes out a lot. You're right, like, right. Bulldoze. Come on, yeah, bull. Yeah. Come on, bull. Bulldoze those grapes out. And I was like, ah, you know, young. Yeah. That's when I was 20, 21 years old. Right. You know? Yeah, hustle them out, right? And then right? my partner, his nickname was Cowboy. So me and him, it was Cowboy and Bull. Nice. So I made a, like a cheesy label over here, which is Cowboy and Bull. And he entered it in the Napa Fair, and we got first, second, and third place. May I see the like the, yeah, the bottle and the label? Because that's actually really cool. Because that's like kind of what I do, or what I'm start trying to do as well. And, and then the fact that you're those doing wines this. were like, I mean, everything was handmade. Like I bottled everything by hand. I did punch downs nice. by hand. Yeah, nice. Everything. That's oh what I intended. So there's the real labor of love mm-hmm. right there. That's it. Right there. My first label is right here. Yeah. Yeah. Or was born. This is right. actually inspirational. Behind the glass. Uh, it's there if you want to taste it later. I'll open this. Based on what you think of it, you decide what you want to open. Okay. Just so let you know, Jesse, I am again. biased. I know you are. Yeah. I love your palate. <laughs> I, I, like I, I admire wing. your palate, Louis. I like that way. Plus, I am Mexican. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> my family's been here since the late 1950s through the Bracero program. And when you mean here. Yeah. Where did you grow up? Here in Napa. Mm. Four generations. Wow. In, Four Nap- gener- in Napa Valley. The yeah. Four generations in Napa Valley. Correct. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah. I love that, dude. I'm here four years, and I wish I was here longer. Like, why <laughs> yeah. did they keep going up? Why did they stop in L.A.? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny you ask that, Jesse, because a lot of people that I meet, you know, veteranos, old people, young people that come from down Lat- Latino world, right? Yeah. I always ask them, I go, why L.A.? 
Why Reno? Why Napa? Bakersfield. Why Fresno. Santa Rosa? Why yeah. Bakersfield? You know, I like to know mm-hmm. those yeah. stories because sure. there we go. It's either because of a family member or because yeah, I didn't I know a job, or yeah. because that's where work was and someone told me, so I just went there. Exactly. So mm-hmm. that's how my grandpa came. So he came through the Bracero program. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> the Bracero program was a program that was created between United States and Mexico during World War II. So United States was at war. During World War II, when all the men and women were at war, mm-hmm. they really had no manpower here yeah. you know, in the United mm-hmm. States. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. talking, for me, I'm talking about California because that's all I know. Yeah. Are you talking about there was no like workforce out here? There was no workforce because they were too busy fighting mm-hmm. the war. Uh, Mexico was not at war, so mm-hmm. they had a lot of manpower, mm-hmm. which called the yeah. Bracero Program, that which is means... Big brazos, big arms, yeah. strong arms. Yeah. Yeah. So my grandpa came through the Bracero program, eventually landed in Napa Valley. He loved it, wanted to make it his home. He came back. He worked for Behringer so many years. I'm not too sure. Mm-hmm. For me, that's mm. generation one. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> generation two, which was my dad, You know, he came in the late 60s mm-hmm. as a young teenager, You know, worked random jobs here and there. Um, in the late 70s, he started working for a, a vineyard company, mm-hmm. which were now they're the biggest landowners in Napa. And he's still working. Oh. So I'm 44. Mm-hmm. He's been working for that company for 43 years. Wow. So what was the, the company? company? It's uh, Bayview Vineyards yeah. here in Napa, mm-hmm. which is the Lairds, the Lairds here in Napa Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's generation two, mm-hmm. right? I'm generation three which I've been in, in the industry since 1999, worked my way up the ranks. At what age did you start? 20. 20. I was 20 years old when I, mean, I landed. Not, it's like you're in the heart of it, jump in, right? Yeah. yeah. I was 20 years old. I'm 44 now, so I've been in the industry going on 24 years. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I'm sure you years. still learn something every year, right? Every year. Yeah. It's just, you know, <laughs> there's always something to learn. So I'm generation three. My kids is generation four. Right, which is their seven and three. What got you into the industry? Was it just seeing your family in it that motivated you? Like, that's easy work, accessible? Or did you say, let me go learn about it and study and then come back? Like, It's funny you say that because I went to Napa High and then Napa JC for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to become a teacher. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that came from, but I like working with kids, mm-hmm. right? Um, that didn't work out. You know, I changed directions and then I wanted to become a cop. A police officer. And then I went to criminal justice classes here in JC. I did get a few certificates and this and that. Um, but then I saw a video where the teacher was saying, hey, we're going to show you a graphic video. This is what happens when you're a cop. And, you know, you got to be aware of this. And it was like cops where they got in fights with people with guns, people with mm. knives. Yeah, They got stabbed, shot, slashed up. And I was like. That's not for me. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's I'm, not, there. I'm not in for that. So after that, I told a buddy of mine, I go, hey, man, I'm not going to school. He was in Hawaii. So he goes, hey, come down. So I went to Hawaii. Nice. So I flew out to Hawaii. I was there for about four months. <laughs> Don't mind me. I'll go to Hawaii. That's a great time. <laughs> okay, I was there I three weeks. And I felt like I was there It was a time. great time. I mean. <clears throat> what island? Maui, Lahaina. So we, I was there for four, about four months. It was party central. We had fun. We were <laughs> known. Boy yeah. life. We were known as the Mexicans from the hill. Right. <laughs> they don't see too many of us out there, no, right? No. no. Very few. Latino. At that time. Espanol. At that time. <laughs> Latino. So then, what, when we were in Hawaii, we got kicked out of our place. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And we were struggling to find a place because we were young. Nobody wanted to rent us. So I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be struggling this. Because we were going home to home, living on couches and this and that. I was like, nah, I'm going back. Mm-hmm. So I came back. When I got back, my dad goes, hey, Luis, I know you're back from Hawaii, this and that. My company, my boss, they're building a winery. Mm-hmm. Once it's done, I want you to go over there and see if they'll give you a job. Yeah. So it was semi-done in August. So I went to go apply. I talked to the boss there. At the time, it was John McGuire. And then September, he called me. He goes, hey, we're ready for you. You know, they were still pouring cement. They were still building their roof. Yeah. The tanks just got put in. They were still they were still putting presses in this oh, and that. Wow, yeah. 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 yeah, it was a brand new, up. fresh off Facility, the lot yeah. winery. What winery was it? Laird yeah. Family Estate. Yeah. Well, I was there from '99 mm-hmm. until 2016. Mm-hmm. Wow. 2004, uh, Rebecca Laird offered me the job to become their seller master for their program because she felt like her program needed more attention, right? More attention to detail. Mm-hmm. So so I needed a seller master. I knew yeah. sell, I knew seller work, but I didn't know the supervision. I didn't know the details and all that tracking and, of all. Of she came to me. She goes, "Hey, I want to offer you the job because your family, I trust you. I know you wouldn't do me wrong. This and that." And then at first, I was like, oh, "Man, typical Mexican man. I didn't want that responsibility." Yeah, <laughs> you know. I just wanted to coast by. I yeah. want. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to just cruise, come in, do my work, and bounce. But mm-hmm. at the time, my buddy. I was telling earlier, Cowboy, mm-hmm. he, he came to me. I told him, I go, hey, man, Rebecca offered me this job. I don't know. I don't want it. I don't know what to do. This, I'm scared, right? I'm like shaking. He grabs me by the shirt, and he goes, if you don't fucking take that job, I'm going to kick your fucking ass. And I'm like, why? He goes, because if you don't get it, they're going to give it to him, and I don't want him to be the seller master. I'm not going to yeah. say the name. Yeah. <laughs> so then I go, oh, man. So then I stepped on That's it. That's really how it be sometimes. Yeah. That's how it was. Yeah. So, some, yeah. Someone had to kick me. Someone had to push me over the edge sure. to do it. Yeah. Sometimes so it really takes that. Good friends really, sometimes yeah. do that. Yeah. You know? yeah. They kind of push you. And sometimes when you don't want to be pushed, you know. For sure. <laughs> you know, just close your eyes love. and get push me. And it's out of love. Like, yo, yeah, I see more potential in you. So mm-hmm. so I stepped over the weekend. Monday, I went back to work. And I told Rebecca, hey, Rebecca. I'm going to take that job. She goes, I'm so proud of you. Take it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so then I took it. Um, you know, I was a seller master for them. I worked under winemakers, obviously, and assistant winemakers. I worked under quite a few. I worked under uh, Rolando Herrera, which is he's the, now the owner of Me Sueño Wines. Mm-hmm. I worked under Julian Gonzalez, which now he's the owner and the winemaker of Julian's Wines. And I also worked under Pa Hobbs for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, which Pahab's you know, pretty known. So I learned their ways on how to make wine. And also Laird was a custom crush facility. Mm-hmm. So I learned a lot of ways. So you're working a lot, yeah. a lot of different a stuff. A lot. Yeah, that's, at the that's time, a great way to learn. Yeah. At the time, there was 40 different clients and 60 different labels there at Laird. Yeah. So I learned everybody's way. And everybody has the same goal, which is to make great wine. Yeah. But everybody took the high road, the low road, the side road. Right. To get there. Yeah. Can you just How, explain to our listeners like what a custom crush winery is? So a custom crush facility, in my terms, which is like it's a winery that has the ability to help out other winemakers mm-hmm. or other brands where like, let's just say Jose, I'm going to use Jose for example. He wants yeah. to make a wine. He doesn't have the financials to buy tanks, to buy a press, to build a winery, this and that. So pretty much it's like buying a house and I'm going to rent him my room. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. So I'm gonna rent out my facility to Jose, which is my room, mm-hmm. for him to sleep. This and that. Yeah. But it's Jose's job to bring in the grapes to mm-hmm. do this, and we just provide the labor. 
Mm-hmm. Right? We provide equipment, labor, manpower. Mm-hmm. And we, tank storage. Basically. Everything. Tank yeah. storage, barrel storage, top. Yeah. I mean, every, we do everything. Bottling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And obviously, every contract is different. And you do it to their specifications. Of yeah. Exactly. So yeah. when that client comes yeah. in, either he's the winemaker or he provides a winemaker. And the custom crush facility, the home house, they do what's requested by the winemaker sure. by yeah. the client. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I just, you know, it's, no, I like sure. to edu- educate people with this podcast. So you, you were what, 25, 26 when you got that role? 24. 24. 24 master. Dude, you got to have a yeah. lot of patience to deal with 40, 60 labels and winemakers. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, how was it working with different winemakers? <laughs> um, I can't say it was bad, right? Yeah. But there's, trust me, there was days I hated it. But yeah. I took it as a learning because... You learn on everybody's way of making wine, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Some are really picky. Some winemakers don't even show up, yeah. you know? You know? They just trust that you they know just what trust, you're doing. You know, you're, yeah. Here's the request. Do what you need to do. Do what I ask for and get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the people that just like, yo, just make some wine so I can sell it. And there's the people that really want their hands in the pot. For sure. Yeah. And then the good thing about me, I like to ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Like, Jose, why do you do pump overs this way? Miguel, mm-hmm. why do you do a barrel down this way? Right. Yeah. Jesse, why do you add this kind of yeast? Sure. What does that do to this barrel? Like, why those cooperage? Exactly. You know, because, I mean, I didn't go to school for this. I was self-taught. I, I learned hands-on. Um, but you also sound self-motivated. Or like Self-motivated. I loved it. I was passionate about it. And I love making the best wine possible. Like, I Talking did what I could do to make the best wine possible. And yeah. it is what it is. Your first year as a seller yeah. master, you got the promotion. How was it that first harvest? It got to mm. be a challenge. Yeah. Well, the first harvest, I was working with Laird and, you know, I worked with the winemakers. For me, it was pretty much just shadowing mm. and understanding what's going on, what's happening, all the details, understanding why we do certain things, you know. Mm. So you don't, like, get upset with the work order that's demanding or no, not extra, really. extra tedious work? No, not really. I really didn't get upset. You know, I just, for me, I took it, like, it's just a learning curve, you know. Yeah. There's speed bumps. I didn't understand, but trust me. I mean, there was days that there was one certain white maker, right? That we get in arguments. I was a young kid, young punk, not sure. listening, mm-hmm. yeah. hot headed, yeah. hot headed, and I'd go like, "Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that?" You know, and I would talk to Rebecca Laird about it, and she mm-hmm. would say, "You would, you know, they are the white makers, so you listen to them." You take it as a good thing. Take it as a learning. So, as opposed to having one main supervisor, you still got like. Or the other supervisors. Oh, for yeah. sure, because I had Rebecca Laird. I had the winemaker at the time, the assistant winemaker at the time. I had a deal with Justin Laird, which he was the vineyard part. Rebecca Laird was the one in charge of all the wineries. And then mm-hmm. her brother, Justin Laird, was in charge of all the grapes, which was yeah. my dad's boss. Mm-hmm. So then I had to deal with him. And then I had to deal with people helping me. Yeah. I had to deal with, you know, the, the actual facility. And Rebecca always told me, she goes, hey, just because we're Laird, we don't get first dibs. We're a client, just like everybody else. So yeah. You need to be on top of your game. Mm-hmm. Scheduling and workload and all that. So I had a schedule. Awesome. I had a schedule. She always wanted me to be the first one to schedule bottling. Because if we didn't get on bottling, it was my fault. Bottling could become a bottleneck right there. Like, For sure. Yeah. For sure. Packed up orders and weeks and months. and. So at the time, when I was there at Laird, I was in the vineyard. I learned how to order barrels, labels, corks, glass. Mm-hmm. Learn how to write work orders, learn how to take requests from the winemaker. Towards the end of my lair time, it was all emails, taking requests, you know, because they trusted me to, to do the right thing. Yeah. How long were you in Laird? A master show from 2004 to 2016, which is 
12 years. 12 years still a master for Laird. Yeah. I mean, you held it down for a good run. Yeah. Yeah, So we went from, I believe it was like 22 tons to about like 80 something tons. So we grew a lot. I made wine last year there. And, uh, dude, there's so many people that make wine there. I'm like, wow, how did this place function right, dude? Where? Yeah. yeah. You were there? Yeah. Well, because Signorello was making wine there. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. And we had a little small, like, we only had 100 barrels. But still, like, you look around, you're like, dude, there's thousands of barrels here. Mm. So many, hundreds of tanks and size tanks and bins. And I'm like, damn, the tracking of yeah. this must be yeah. insane, dude. And like, then just the growth of that company, I mean... They're a great custom crush facility. Oh, I've heard great yeah. things about them, too, that they're the best in the valley. Everybody wants to be them. They got a good recipe. Yeah. Hey, there's still people there working that I started with. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And then from Laird, where did you transition, or why did you want to move? Uh, yeah. So when I was at Laird, I felt mm-hmm. like I hit a peak. Mm-hmm. I was just going horizontal, because mm-hmm. not really going up. You can't go to a system winemaker without some schooling. Sure. Cellar mm-hmm. master's kind of like the peak, right? The glass mm. ceiling in a sense, yeah. It yeah, was yeah. at the time. So I was going through some personal problems and issues. And, you know, me and Rebecca had a talk. We both agreed that, you know, go explore. Yeah. Um, so, which is fine. It was a crying moment when we decided that, you know, because yeah. she's like family to me and I'm like yeah. family to her, you know. She saw you since you were 20. Yeah. Or it's probably fu- younger, huh? She she saw me when I was a year old. That's crazy, yeah. dude. Because That's- when my dad started working for them, for Baby Vingers, which is the Laird's, you know, there was a ranch where her and her brother would come and work after school, and my mom would be there, and I'd be in the backpack of, with my mom. Because oh, my mom would help out, too. Respect. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's family. OSHA wouldn't let that fly anymore. Now. No. no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so when I left Laird, you know, I was getting ready to take some time off. I felt like, for me, the thing I was lacking was just bottling experience. Mm-hmm. So I jumped on a, on a bottling line. For a couple months, I think it was there for six months, like learning how to run the bottling line mm. and that. The QC you talking about? No, or no, like, actually or, working, or, or actually like, working, like you know, doing the bottling line. Gotcha. Like yeah. doing the filler and everything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But then in my mind, I was like, I'll miss a harvest. It's not gonna hurt my career. It's okay. Mm-hmm. But then, Gunbun, Gun like Bunchy Winery, they were looking for a cellar master, so I applied and they called me in and. They hired me, and I and I told the bowling, like, hey, man, as soon as I find a job, it could be this, it could be now, it could be a year, it could be two years from now, I'm going to jump ship. He knew that. So then Gun Luck Bunchy hired me, 2016. Mm-hmm. August 31st of 2016 was my first day at Gun Luck Bunchy Winery. Oh, wow. Nice. I love it. Still remember the day? Yeah. yeah. Still remember oh, the day. I love it. <laughs> 7 a.m. 7 start. You, you were about, the, right before the harvest, you were thrown like, in the yeah. fire, huh? Yeah, the first day I showed up, they were pressing the, the <laughs> no. conversion meter. Nice. The conversion meter. Thrown in the fire. Was there that the go. first grape harvest? Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I love it. But for me, I felt like I've been, you know, I am proud that I've worked from the bottom not knowing what a pump was yeah. to now where I'm at sure. in my life. You've acquired just so much knowledge through your experiences. Yeah. Like, you're like, yeah, I know, I can, I know my way around the pump though. Maybe and I didn't know yeah. then. And it's not, it's not through school books, you know, it's yeah. not through mm-hmm. school books. It's not like, what do you do when this happens? Like, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's all ex- like experience wisdom. Mm-hmm. It's, it's 24 it. harvests and every harvest is different. Mother yeah. nature, you yeah. know, gives you different things every year. Yeah. And so I'm sure like when th- something happens, it becomes like you just pull from that experience of what you have done and becomes like someone who might panic. You're just like, okay, we're just going to do this. Yeah. No, for sure. It's just funny to me. Like winemakers say, oh my God, it's going to be a late year. It's going to be a early harvest, this and that. And I'm like, it's always the same every year. Yeah. <laughs> like, It'll be all right. It'll be all right. <laughs> we'll be Obviously all right. the we'll droughts manage. and the fires, those take effect, right? Yeah. But yeah. 
you know, it always it's always cool, right? It's always cool through August. Then it gets hot, and then it gets cool again, and then here comes September. Like right before September, there's that peak of heat, yeah, and that's that yeah. push. Yeah, that's like that push over the cliff. Yep, it's time to pick. Yep. Mm. But it, I mean, you just adapt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's all we can do as farmers and vineyard growers: just hold our breath and hope Mother Nature is kind. For sure. Mm. Yeah. So that's your transition. <laughs> but when I went to Sonoma, I, ju- I jumped over the hill. You know, once you're Napa, you're always Napa. And then you, you never jump the hill. Mm-hmm. But then I jumped the hill. I went to Sonoma. And I started working at Gunlock Bunchy Winery. What I noticed, it was way more easy, laid back, going, super chill. You know, I would be involved in the tastings with the winemaker and the assistant winemaker, which was Joe which is my supervisor now. So Keith was the winemaker at that time? Keith, he still is the consulting winemaker. Yeah, yeah. And at the time, okay. Ann Dempsey was the boss. So we would be tasting, and the way I would describe the wines and this and that, and then at one point, she just put a halt on me. She stopped me. She goes, look, you're in Sonoma now. You're no longer in Napa. And I was like, my bad, because I was like, we should do this and we should do that to make Napa wines, because that's all I know. Sure, yeah, sure. That's all yeah. I know. For me, making a Napa wine is great. You can't beat that. I mean, yeah. any brand, any bottle that says Napa Valley, yeah, just by that, it's already good. It has the it has the name brand, if you will, of Napa. It has like it has yeah. the Nike brand. It's, yeah, it's exactly. it's done. It's branded. It's, Napa it's Valley branded. is synonymous. It's, as someone who lives in Sonoma County, it is very Sonoma County biased. You have to recognize the Napa Valley wine quality you know yeah so that's the difference between sonoma and napa you know obviously the winemaking style is different um it's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing you know sonoma wines are just as good obviously i don't want it overly oaked nope (laughs) obviously i like napa but you know what but i you know yeah ever since i started making surcos you know i kind of took everything in factor Mm -hmm. and i just created my own style yeah you know it's a little bit of napa a little bit of sonoma yeah like jesse said not too much oak Mm -hmm. all my all my reds are 50 percent Oh, New French okay. oak. Yeah. You just briefly mentioned starting your own label. So you started that while at Gunlock Buncher? What motivated you at Gunlock Buncher to start your own label? Or were you already thinking this coming in from Larry? One day well, I'm going to make my own label. I was already thinking. It was, How it did was, all that come about? Because I, I want to make my own label. So, And you know this. I've told you since day one. Oh, for sure. For sure. It was always in the back of my mind like, man, I can make good wine. So, again, like I mentioned earlier, I made wine with a buddy of mine, his name was Tom Clark. We made Cabernet Sauvignon in 2000, 2001, 2002. How'd yeah. you get the fruit to those wines? It was just fruit that nobody wanted, you know? To them, it was like the yeah, the waste, yeah, the garbage, yeah, yeah. right? And for me, I was like, Psh, it's grapes. I could still ferment it. I could still eat it. Might, could, even I, be, might even be good grapes, too, you know? It's just like, okay, maybe it's not like first crop. It wasn't that bad, you know? It wasn't yeah. that bad. So we made fun wine. It was, you know, it was bathroom tub wine. Yeah. But it was good. And then uh, he entered those three wines in the FNAP affair, and we got first, second, and third place. Amazing. So I think that's where it clicked. I bet you the motivation kicked in right there. Yeah, like, actually. The confidence boost. It was good. Then in 2006, I fell in love with Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir wine. Corneros. Yeah. And then I went to go talk to Rebecca Laird, and I was like, Rebecca, we need to make a Pinot Noir. Like, it's booming. It's good. It's coming. I don't know. You know, she was telling me, I don't know. You know, that's not our thing yet. Right, Napa whatever. Cab, Napa Cab. Napa Cab. Napa <laughs> Cab, yeah. For her, for the Laird, it was Pinot Grigio. It was Rosé. Rosé of Syrah. Chardonnay. It was Cab, Merlot. A lot of Merlot because they would yeah. get it from the Sosco Ranch. Um, but then I brought her on to Pinot Noir. So she goes, fine. 
you want to make Pinot Noir, you're in charge of it. Talk to my brother. Wow. You are, you're allowed one ton of Pinot Noir. That's all you get. You get one chance. So I'm like, I'm game. God. Sign On. me up, right? <laughs> Put me in, coach. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> so then I talked to her brother. You know, he showed me where I could get one ton of grapes. It's hard to find one ton of grapes. Well, when you own 2,800 acres it's, of it's, land. It's easy. You know, yeah. It's a little easier than trying to find it on wine business. So what I got was a one ton of Pinot Noir from the Cold Creek Ranch over here in um, Sonoma Carneros. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was in charge. I mean, the tea bin, I was in charge of everything. Like, I wasn't allowed to talk to the winemaker or nothing like that. Like, it's kind of like a secret. You took control. Oh. It took control. Your own project. <laughs> it was yeah, so so I, the, you were the winemaker of that particular I was project. the winemaker of that wine. Yeah. And it's funny, well, I got another story for that. But, yeah, I was the winemaker for that. So, at the end, so when the wine was completely done and barreled, this and that, I brought her a sample. She goes, oh, my God, I love it. And I'm like, I was surprised. Like, come on, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, My yeah. confidence is not like there yet. I'm like, be come on, don't. Yeah, don't. Don't, don't lie to me. me. Yeah, 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 don't front me, you know. <laughs> yeah. Don't, you know. No, she goes, no. I love it. We're going to bottle it. And we're going to put a label on it. She goes, I'm going to allow you to buy glass. I'm going to allow you to buy labels for it, corks, everything. And I go, what were we going to tell the winemaker at the time? Which was Bahams. And then she goes, well, we'll just tell them that you made it and we're going to bottle it. I love it. That's a great confidence it boost. Was two bottle, it was two barrels and a half. So it was like, you know, like 60 cases. Yeah. Nice. And we bottled it. It sold like hotcakes. And then the next vintage, we made more Pinot Noir and more Pinot Noir, you know, more and more. Yeah. And now they have two different Pinot Noirs, you know, thanks yeah. to me. It's almost um, like you started the, the Pinot Noir way, trend, the trend yeah. for them, for, in for the Napa Valley. In Napa Valley. In Napa Valley. I mean, come on. You can't beat that. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's allowed you to make wine for them in Napa Valley with, yeah. with Carnell's fruit? Come on. Yeah. yeah. So I took up. it. And then it was a hit. So I think that's where, like, okay, if I could do that, I could do this. Sure. Um, so it wasn't just because I was at Gumbun to make it, you know. It's always been in the back of my mind. It's always been back there. And I think it was just having the, I guess, the courage or like the yeah, take that just leap to say of faith, F into, it into the unknown and do it. Yeah, um, because one of the main issues or one of the main concerns is just obviously having the financials behind it. Totally, that's a really big one, honestly, especially when you're trying to make that leap to yeah, start but, something of your own. Because yeah, if you just jump into a wine brand on your own and <clears throat> you make red wines, I mean, you're three years deep before you start making money. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about buying the fruit. Letting it ferment, let it age in barrel, yeah. bottle it, let it age in bottle, and then you release it to the world. Exactly. Talk about it. So one of the winemakers that I've worked with always told me, Luis, if you ever or whenever I start a brand, it's always smart to make a few reds and also make a Savio Blanc and Rosé. And I'm like, why make a Savio Blanc and Rosé? He goes, because it's a quick turnaround. Yeah, it's like one you can sell this year. One you, you know. Like in four <laughs> months, it, you're selling it. And I go, oh, Okay, so I'm, I've never forgot that. I and like that's it. why I that's make a, a Savio Blanc and Rosé, because that's what pays the bills, and the Reds <laughs> puts money in your pocket. That's true, yeah. I guess that's a good way of looking at you it. Know? And for me, I call it, you know, I do got a full-time job. I do have Surcos. So I call that Disneyland money. So when Dude. Surcos does good, my kids go to Disneyland. It's like Woo. winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. What are you going to do when you win? We're going to Disneyland. <laughs> so Circus does good, and then we take the kids to Disneyland. I like yeah. that concept. Yeah. I'm Disneyland, buddy. Heck yeah. That's what I call it. Oh, my gosh. So it wasn't because of Gumba, and it wasn't because of Laird's. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, 
I think it was just a passion and saying that I could do this for myself or for my family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and my concept was always make a great one for a good price. Yeah. Yeah. I hate these like high, high price point wines where you're like, uh, do I want to buy that? When will I open it? I like something more that's like, okay, 35 bucks. I'll buy that. I'll drink it this month. I might come back to it next year or next month. Yeah. Or I might come back to it again. I don't know. I'm in that boat where it's very hard for me to buy a wine twice. No, for sure, for sure. I mean, because there's so many wine brands and so many styles you want to explore. Yeah, honestly. You want to explore and see what's out there, you know? I mean, there's wines that are four bucks. They're good. There's wines that are a thousand bucks. They're good. But, I mean, Mm -hmm. it all depends on your budget. Yeah. It depends what you can afford and you can't afford. And actually finding the style that you like. Mm -hmm. I always talk about, like, it's like drinking beer. You know, when you're young, you want to drink those light beers. Bud Light, Coors Light, you know, because they're easygoing. Yeah. And then for me, I'm 44 years old now. I like IPAs. Sure, yeah. And double IPAs. Things with a little bit more depth. And than more double just IPAs. A little bit more like things that more depth. Really, yeah, get more depth I mean, and flavor. And more depth, more body, this yeah. and that. I mean, like I, I don't know if I could drink a, a Bud Light again. I mean, I or started. Or a Coors Light again. I know. Hey, I'm right there with you. I can't drink one of those. But I do think about the times where I started off on, like, King Cobra, Old English. Oh. <laughs> don't even, don't even so talk to me beer. about those, Jesse. But, you know, I laugh. At, even with my wine, I drank Charles Shaw. Started off, you know, Two Buck Chuck. Oh, uh, yeah. Barefoot, slapping the White bag. Zen? Exactly. Come we on, Jesse. started there. We all slapped the bag, White Zen, you know. So <laughs> I got to remember where I started from, you know. Yeah, yeah white, white Zen. I mean, back in, trust me, I used to drink 40s all the time, too. Yeah. You know, <laughs> old English. Yeah. St. Nines, we call it the Cricket Eye. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy Horse. That'll get you right there real yeah. quick. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, nowadays, I can't do a Modelo, a Corona, Tecate. Yeah. I'm sorry. Even some of my family thinks I betrayed them. They're like, you don't drink with us no more. I'm like, I'm sorry. But <laughs> I drink with you, but not drink yeah. what you have. Yeah. I'll bring my own drinks, and I'll drink alongside with you, but uh, I'm not drinking that. It's funny, because I got a friend that... He tells me, he goes, the wife gets mad at him because whenever they go to like a party or like a family gathering, he's always buying IPAs because he likes IPAs. Sure. And the wife goes, why do you always buy that expensive beer? Because I'm going to drink it. Yeah. This is what I drink. This is my beer. I'm not going to drink what they have at the party because it could be Coors. It could be Bud Light. Bud Light. It could Natty be Light. PBR. Natural Light. <laughs> you remember yeah, that? Rolling Natu- Rocks. Oh, my God. Remember Naughty Ice? Bud Ice. <laughs> exactly. Zima. Come on. Yeah. Get out of here. Uh, empty for a little... MD four. I mean, for us, it'd be Lucky Lager, Zima, or they call them Mad Dog Twenty. No, yeah, no. Mad Dog Twenty. Yeah. Oh man, dude, man, high dude. residual sugar. We were drinking just it was, it was <laughs> Cisco's high sugar Kool Aid with a little bit of alcohol. <laughs> dude, those Cisco's really would mess you up. I remember growing up. Uh, that's funny. Now that you had the courage, you took that leap of faith, starting Surcos. Any uh, advice you'd give to somebody starting their own labels? how they can better uh, prepare themselves. Dude, this is actually something I think is relevant to me too because I'm someone who's trying to do stuff like with a wine label as well. So it's actually interesting things to know about. <laughs> well, you know, it is hard. It's a big responsibility. It's a big commitment. Commitment. I mean, it's a lot of money. I mean, you time. Know, first, I think what you need to do, you need to decide on what you want to make and what your goal is, who your audience is. You know, if it is going to be Latinos, if it is going to be Americans, if it's gonna be young people, old people, you need to find your audience and then also have a plan. What can you spend? Um, the good thing for me, 
I had a house. I had equity. I didn't have a hundred thousand saved up, sure. so I took a loan against my house just to do it. I mean, but I did it because I thought that was going to be my retirement. Yeah, this is my future. Like this is the hold the fort. You know. Yeah. So oh. I took it. You know, obviously I talked to the wife mm-hmm. yeah. to start the business. You know, and again, I am married. You know, mm-hmm. I'm in it with my partner, with my wife, which is Paola. Um, you know, and the good thing is that you know she had faith in me and you know she felt like i could do this because i was really passionate about it like i'm gonna do this it goes a long way too i bet you know just you need you, you, need, someone you, you need someone to back you up you need someone to just push yeah. you over that edge and just because it's scary it's yeah. scary because what if it doesn't work out exactly yeah. i mean it's all that money goes down the drain and the good thing was i feel like i know what i'm doing on, on making wine and the barrels and the glass, you know. And for me, I am from Napa. Yeah. So I know a lot of people in the industry. Mm-hmm. So now is the time where I need those favors. Yeah. You know, you reach out to your friends. You use those resources. Ask for help. That's one thing. Ask for help. Ask a lot of questions. You know, uh, the good thing, I had a compliance lady to help me out. I worked with her. She, we were office mates for, you know, the 12 years when I was at Laird. Mm-hmm. We're still friends. We're still, sure. and she's the one to help me out to get my license. Because one of those things where it's like, I don't know how to do compliance, but I want to make mine. I want to sell it, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and again, I'm not, like, I'm not school educated. Yeah, I'm just like I'm a hands-on guy. I'm a worker. I'm a laborer. You know, uh, that's me. So I can make the wine, but I didn't know the compliance part. I didn't know how to fill out paperwork. Yeah. Um, the chemistry, I kind of knew like what to do, but I didn't know how to run the chemistry part. And, and just for our listeners, compliance is like kind of the legality of selling wine, like what you put on your tax forms and then making sure you're all legal with it. Uh, it's also to uh, fill out the paperwork of like, where's your home at? Because when you are a, a small brand like me, you need a home, which Laird okay. Family Estate was my home. That was my winery home. Mm-hmm. And also you need to fill out like, where's your office at? All the paper, where, where's all the paperwork yeah. going? Like there's a bureaucracy you, you gotta, to the selling of wine and stuff. You, you got to get your federal tax ID number, your EIN number. I mean, those two might be the same. Still to this day, I still use her. Yeah. Because I'm like, I'm not the smartest on computers. I'm not the smartest on filling well, out paperwork. people that really have spent their time to really know the system well. And it, like having those people that can help you with that is like, like you said, like asking for help is what you know, gets you there, right? So, I think asking for help yeah. and, you know, at the same time. They're not going to do it for a favor unless they're a really close friend or a family member, you know, like my logo, my label, my business cards. My cousin did that for me. She's Uh a graphic designer and she did it for free. Mm -hmm. She goes, Luis, I don't need you to pay me now. Pay me later on when you're, when you make it. Yeah. Right. And that's that belief right there. Just like, look, I know this is going to go somewhere just like. I'm putting this in because I believe in you. And then also, yeah. like, your network of people who believe in you. That feels good, too. Like For this podcast, I had my buddy's dad do the logo for me. Yeah. You know, uh, and his son came up with the title of the podcast. And it's like, you know, you never know where you're going to get help or ideas or it's going to spark. or. Yeah, the main thing, I think, is just use your resources. Yeah. Right? So to answer the question about starting a business, it's yeah. hard, it's scary, but you have to be committed and passionate about it. Are you? It's a dream. Are it's you, a hobby. Are you proud, though, that you took that step? Because that's something where you can say, you know what? I did that. I was afraid, but I did it. And I'm doing it right now. My dad's not the type of person to take that risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. I'm like my mom. No, most people want to play it safe and just... 
My mom's always been a, a hustler. She's been the person that always had two jobs, always wanted to move forward, always wanted to buy a house, another house, start a business, this and that. And my dad always kind of like Just had that wall. Secure. He had that wall there. You I know? don't need to do anything that's exactly. unpredictable. You know? Just like we're going to jeopardize. Like these ranches have. that I have now, you know, we went to go look at them, like Ecuador, Atlas Peak. We went to go look at them because. Uh, I'm glad I got to go see that thing. It was a ranch that I had the ability to lease it or to whatever, take ownership of it. And it was so shitty. My dad goes, oh, it's just too much work. But then I talked to my buddy Rolando and he goes, fuck it, let's do it. That's prime land. And that's that's what people need. Yeah. You need someone to go, I got your back. Yeah. You don't need to turn around for me to show you that I got your back. I'm yeah. back there. Yeah. This is like, I'll catch you. I'm going to catch you. Yeah, I'm there. Yeah. I'm there for that little push. Yeah. You know? Those are people you need behind you, and those are the people you keep with you. So my buddy Rolando, you met Rolando. Yeah. He manages like 3,000 acres of land through a company. They're not his. He holds it down. He holds it down. But he also has his own vineyards that he takes care of and manages. So he's like the vineyard part. He helps me out on that. You know, I don't know how to prune. I can prune. Yeah. Sure. I don't know how Same to do it good. I know how yeah. to sucker, but I don't yeah. know how to do it good. Well, like, you know, there's like a certain yeah. I could, finesse science to it. Exactly. You know, and you're like, yo, direct me. I'll help you. But like, you know. I could drive a tractor. Yeah. I could prune. Yeah. Not the best. I could sucker. Not the best. I could pick. Yeah. Not the fastest. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what here, I do man? know how to do? Uh-huh. I know how to make wine. Yeah. Yeah. I can make the wine and he helps me out with the bigger part. Yeah. Because he's the one I went to school for that. Exactly. Yeah. And he manages so many acres. That's his heart and soul. Yeah. Just like me. Just you, know you and making wine. Yeah. Him so is us the... collaborating together, we're just one team now. That is, is Surkos. Which is good. Right? That's yeah. Surkos, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Surkos is mine, but he helps me out. Got you, yeah. He, he brings that passion to because the he, wine, the grapes that you get. He yeah. has the equipment. He has the people. He has the manpower. He has the knowledge, mm-hmm. right, of the vineyard part. Yeah. Right? And I'm on the other side. Exactly. The production. I got the knowledge of ordering glass, corks, and labels. The winemaking, the chemistry, yep. everything. I am proud of uh, what I've created. Mm-hmm. I am proud of what I am able to talk about because it is my family's legacy here in the Napa Valley. Like I said before, without my grandpa coming as a bracero, he took the roots from a small town in Llano, Michoacan, mm-hmm. and planted them here in Napa. Now there's a lot of us here in Napa, and yeah. the roots keep growing. And I want to continue the story, and I want to continue making great wine and continue it, you know, <laughs> for my kids. Yeah. It's a you testament know? to that, right? To the history and to what you're creating right now, right? Yeah. Even what yeah. you're leaving on this earth. I feel like wine is something you can leave for people to try on this earth. You know, like, maybe you might leave this earth, but, you know, you left some wine for people to impact. You left something for people to... No, for sure. I mean, Surcos, you know, obviously one day I'm going to be gone. And hopefully my kids take over it and continue the legacy and, you know, I'll see it from heaven. And hopefully they are able to add another row to my logo. Yeah. Because right now there's four rows, four surcos on my logo, one for every generation. Oh. Hold on. Let me check the label. Yeah, check it out. So if you look at it, there's that's four rows. I, like, that's why I was sold from day So one like I said I, about surcos, every oh row is a generation. Gosh. So it, there's three that are facing the same direction. Mm-hmm. That's grandpa, dad, myself, which we've already been or we are in the industry. And the fourth one, which is straight, mm-hmm. that's my kids. That's a new planting. That's a new plant. They're new. I don't know which way they're going. I don't know if they're yeah. going left or right. 
Hopefully they take over Surcos. I will angle their row the way ours are. And then when their kids take over, or, you know, grow up, there'll be five rows. And then six rows. Keep adding to your lot, you know? Yeah. I mean, so just for the listeners to kind of understand how the label looks, there's a picture of four rows and three of them are facing one direction and one is a new plant. And it's really cool. It's, I really, I really connect with that. That's what one That's like be a is. deep, like, everything behind should, the label. Everything it's not just the, I'm going to get drunk kind of label. This is oh, family a, roots and just like something like passion behind it's, the label. It took me a long time to think of the name, the history behind it, the story. Again, because my last name is Gallegos. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to create a Gallegos brand, but there's already one, which is my family, mm-hmm. which is their Salinas. So it wouldn't make sense to make another Gallegos. Sure. Yeah. Or like Gallegos.com. <laughs> I mean, for me, no. <laughs> so I said, okay, they have Gallegos, which is, I'm proud of that too, because I am a Gallegos. I'm a true Gallegos. Mm-hmm. So then, okay. So I just came up with Surcos because, again, where does everything start? Right there in the vineyard. In, in the, the vineyard. Rolls, dude. Yeah. Without the vineyards, you don't have a store. You don't have wine. No. So that's how Surcos got created. And now, So, yes. To answer your question, Miguel. Yes. Miguel, uh-huh. I am proud. I am proud. I am proud that I started this, and I'm proud that I can continue it. I have the financials. I have the backup to continue it. You know, the support from my family and my wife. You know, my wife's not too... In the production, in the vineyard part, but she is the um, she is the backbone. She takes care of the family. She holds the fort, which is my house. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I'm out selling wine, and I'm out picking, and I'm out transferring, or I'm out winemaking, or I'm out doing sales, working seven days a week, working seven days a week, or when I'm out trying to get people to cover my event, like sure. Jesse, uh-huh. so I'm happy to do it know, anytime. That's her part. Mm-hmm. She's holding. The fort down for me. Yeah. And I'm proud to be a representative of Surcos anywhere I go because I want to let people know I believe in this as much as he believes in it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I wouldn't sell anything I wouldn't drink myself or believe in myself. And for me, the story does help out, right? Yeah. You have a great story and it sells and this and that, right? And it, it gets to people's hearts. And like, like you said, Mega, like, oh, hell yeah, that means a lot. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you got to have good wine. Yeah, which rose are kind of lit though. <laughs> which, <laughs> which, like this rose. Which like. my wines, I have faith in my wines. I mean, I feel like they speak for themselves. They speak for themselves. You know, you open my bottles, you take me to the dance. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna find someone to dance with. <laughs> That's how someone's gonna approach you. That's how I guess proud or like. That's how, how you I present yourself. I, that's how I present my wines. They're, sure. For me, they're great wines. And for me, it's like, I don't care where I get the grapes from. You know, I'm going to make the best wine possible. And I think that stems from not only your background in Laird, but like just seeing that anything can become a great wine. And uh, if you just know how to guide it to the right place, dude, these things sing in a glass sometimes. But I just, on the side note, this rosé, though, I got to say, it's a very nice, easy drinker, summer drinker, nice and cold, and I'm just like... It's a porch pounder. I would buy some <laughs> of these bottles, like, actually, just for, like, a summer event. Like, this is really nice stuff. But, so, Miguel, just, um, uh, you know, obviously, you're you're doing the podcast and this and that, right? You're part of the group with Jesse. Mm-hmm. This is the first time you met me. Yeah, yeah. This is the first time I'm telling you my story. Mm-hmm. This is the first time you tasted my wines, you know, the Sauvignon Blanc and Rosé. You tell me what you think. Well, you know, 
I gotta say, for this particular wine, it's uh, it's so easy to drink. Like it's smooth, and because it's a rosé, it's not tannic. And I will say I'm biased. I like white wines and rosés because of the non-tannic nature to it. And I, I really think that there's a lot of, uh, like, there's a lot going on in here. But it's also, like, the kind of wine I want to drink in the summer. And we're in this weather right now. And I'm just, like, I'm feeling it. This is the kind of wine I want to be drinking right now. Especially, like, right now, the weather's kind of hot. I'm like, mm. This is the stuff right here. <laughs> so, so yeah, like I think you've, you've made something really nice here. And yeah, uh, and thanks. Luis, to tell you, I'm very blunt about my wine tasting notes too. I don't really like too many wines. I'm very critical of wines, but this, yeah, my brother. Not to just gas you up because you know I respect you and I admire you, but this just speaks for itself. This is good. I've tasted more expensive wines that aren't as good as this, and I'm like, what are we selling on the market? And uh, this is why I try to tell people to gravitate towards smaller producers, smaller, you know, case production sizes, anything that's just something you wouldn't see that's in your supermarket or go out of your way. Go check out a a co-op website or something. Yes, that's a good transition. So my website is (laughs) Uh surcoswines.com. So check it out. Um, But it's funny you say, Jesse, you know, you didn't me out too. So, you know, I went to a restaurant. And I always take my wines, and I want them to taste it first. You know, they hear the story, taste it first, and this and that. And I want them to go, hey, man, don't just do it because you know me. Because yeah. I'm known in Napa. A lot of people know me, right? Don't just do it because you're my buddy. Don't do it because you know me. I want you to taste the wines. Make sure they're a good fit for your customers, for your restaurant, for your wine bar, whatever it is. You know, and I was tasting with someone, and they go, look, Luis, man, I know you, this and that. If I didn't like your wines, I would tell you. I said, thank you. I would appreciate I want you to tell me. That's what you need from. I need that. I need to know that. I need to step it up. He goes, hey, Luis, your wines are good. This is something that if a customer came into my restaurant and I need to recommend something, I could recommend your wine. Without me being a hypocrite or a liar, hey, try this. Because I know it'll speak for it. So so that person took on my Sauvignon Blanc, my Rosé, and my Cab. In two weeks, he called me. He goes, I need more Sauvignon Blanc. It's the fastest-selling Sauvignon Blanc that we have out of three wines. That call probably felt good. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'll take it, which is good, you know. Um, also, too, you know, it's funny to say, you know, my Sauvignon Blanc. I also made a 2020 Sauvignon Blanc from a buddy of mine from Rolando Sanchez from his vineyard. It's called Dos Lagos. I entered that into a competition back in Florida, and I got gold. So if you look at the list, it goes Napa, 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 Sonoma, 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 Lake County. <laughs> I love it. So for me in oh, that like, thing. You got Lake County in there? Nice. Lake County is competing yeah. <laughs> with Sonoma and Napa. It feels like the Paris. I mean, the judgment that's tasting. one of the yeah, wines. Yeah, that's like the Paris tasting right there. <laughs> that's, that's one of the wines that it's I like made. American wines competing with French wines. And like, <laughs> when I found that out, man, I mean, I... Lost it. Yeah. I balled. I was like, no way. They're like, yeah. That's huge, honestly. I mean, you're gaining reputation by, like, I and, grew some stuff in Lake County. And, and again. It hit the charts. Like, And again, know. it's not Napa. Yeah. It's not Sonoma. It's little old Lake County. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because there's another wine that I'm super proud of. It was my 2019, which is my first cab vintage for a Sur- So a lady from L.A. reached out to me. 
She was, hey, man, you know, I heard about you, this and that. I would like for you to enter these competitions. And I was like, oh, man. You know, it's already 2022. So I entered my 2019 cab in L.A. It's called the International L.A. Wine Competition in Pomona. Mm-hmm. So I put my cab in, my tempranillo in. I was like, you know what? Who knows what I'll get out of this late in the future? So I entered my cab. Out of 119 cab entries, I got gold. I got 96 points. Best of class. Hell yeah. Ooh. And I looked at the list. I was like, okay, there's people on there or wine brands on there. Okay, I should be able to beat them. But there's brands on there like, damn, I beat them? <laughs> yeah. Or oh, no, you're just like, wait, wait. How am I above them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I lost it. I called my wife and I was like, I got 96 points, best of class, gold medal. And it's unbelievable because I made 55 cases of that wine. I'm down to like 10 bottles. Damn. <laughs> You're like, um, it's sold. No, it's sold, whatever. I have some saved up. You yeah. know, people say, oh, now you can raise the price. I go, but I don't want to do that. Yeah. I want to keep it the same. $48 Napa cab. Unheard keep, of. And just keep it. Yeah. You know, keep it reasonable. Yeah. You know, that, those are the kind of wines where like. How are people going to discover it if they can't buy it, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. So in my mind, like. That's, yeah. I want Miguel. Yeah. I want to buy a sort I want Miguel to drink four bottles. Not just one and get hammered <laughs> and walk away. But you know what I'm saying? Like it's pool wine. It's beach wine. It's mm-hmm. barbecue wine. Like, have a couple bottles and yeah. enjoy the time with your family. I'd say, honestly, though, this is a wine that I would bring to a picnic and really enjoy it. Because I'm the kind of person that would bring a wine to a picnic. I'm and not it'd a be a drinker. hit. People would be like, where'd yeah. you get this? It tastes good. Yeah. I think as long as, you, like, you get that approval, it tastes good. Yeah, because that's, think- like, to me, me, like, Jesse's the one studying to be a psalm. I've worked in the wine industry. My mom works in the wine industry, but I don't get too into the wine necessarily yeah. in terms of like the super tasting notes. Mm-hmm. All I know is I know the wines I like and the wines I'm like, yeah, this was cool to drink, but like it's not my palate. Yeah. And this is definitely one of those ones where I'm like, yeah, I drink that on a nice summer day. And uh, that's all I can tell you because, you know, I'm not much of a describer. Yeah. I kind of just joke around when I make like wine descriptions. I'm like you, Miguel. I, I can make good wine. Uh-huh. I could do all the backbone part of it, you know, the hard work, but I'm not good at describing <laughs> the wines. That's why. That's why we got people. I like hired Jesse, Jesse hey, to do my tasty you notes. Gotta, you got to be versatile in this industry. You know what I mean? You all my tasty notes are from Jesse Castro. So we made a Savion Blanc. We were going to make a rosé called La Rosa. <laughs> yep, that's a classic. We were yeah. going to make uh, a cab, which was going to be called El Barril, because there's only be one barrel. <laughs> And the number on Barril is 25. 25 cases. Oh, my god! So it matches. Yeah. So then what we were also going to make a Pinot so. Noir, which I am a fan of Pinot Noir. Mm. The Pinot Noir was going to be called La Dama. I see what you're saying. I think it's more the history of the wine. This is, I'm telling you, this is like a like, 2014 wine. It's nine-year-old wine. That's yeah. what I mean. Like, I don't, ex- like, with that kind of wine. It smells like a bruised apple. Like, just something that's yes. been left on the counter for, like, weeks. And, like, oh, what is this? Ugh. What is that? Smell it. It's not too bad, but it's yeah. not the best. Yeah. No. It's one of those things where I'm, like, but I kind of expect that from an older wine, yeah. too. And you know what? It, okay, it does. You know? Jesse, like, I get the bruised. It is. It is. And, yeah. like, that. It's it's thick. Yeah. It's syrupy. Brownish. Yeah. 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 Hey, look at that cork. I mean, I use the cheapest cork possible. 
(laughs) (laughs) I think what I really like about the one more than anything, though, is the history and the story behind it, because that is how this, you You know, know, the small steps to get to here, right? You know what we could taste, if you guys want? Uh We could taste my 2000 Cabernet Sauvignon. You have a 2000? We're behind this label. He brought it out earlier. He showed us. Oh, yeah. The bull and... Cowboy and bull. Cowboy and bull. Yeah. I am... That's another one that I'm super proud of. This is my 2002 uh, Cowboy and Bull Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa Valley. 14.8 alcohol. Here we go. This is another wine country exclusive. The cork just fucking ripped. (laughs) Well, when it's that old, you can kind of expect that to happen. How old is it? You said it was a 2000, right? 2002? About 20, 20 Yeah, that cork's been in there for a minute. (laughs) I mean, I've tried some bottles where... Yeah, the cork just doesn't it doesn't work. Pop up all the way, and you know what? That's okay because older wine though is well enjoyed. Yes. You know, yeah, I've had a uh, sparkling wine where the disc split between there the. There you cork. go. Ready? Yeah. It still has good <laughs> vacuum. Still got vacuum. I like that. Jesse, smell that. <laughs> That's cork right there, unfiltered. <laughs> oh, that smells mushroomy. Forest floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That smells. Ooh, no, yeah. No we opened it up. Let, let it breathe a little bit. Let me get a little Go bit. Go ahead, Santi. This is bottle like number three, everybody. That, That's good, Santi. <laughs> Santi, hold the bottle right. Santi got the hard, heavy pour. Just like his dad, heavy pour. Uh, hell yeah, he's got, he's, he's got the heavy <laughs> foot. Pedal <laughs> yeah. to the metal. We're good, dude. We're good. We're so good. this is Thank wine. <laughs> I Santi. appreciate it. I appreciate it. So <laughs> I believe this 2002... Cowboy and Bull was like, this is probably the start of Surcos. Before knowing there were Surcos. This is just the start of knowing that you can make wine. Leads this is you Bucket to the Blend. Next. It was the start of Luis Gallegos. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Now, this is a... Uh, thank you for sharing Cheers, this guys. I, yeah, I feel blessed to try this. So I yeah, really no, appreciate you that you're breaking out up. such a... It's a moment that I get to taste. Like, it's my pleasure, man. Because I always think wine is a bit of art and a bit of history. And wine it's just, is a, it's a time and place. This is a, a moment of time. Just remember, this is a twenty-one-year-old wine. Still nice, dude. Uh, remind me what what varietal is this? Cabernet Sauvignon. Cab, dude. Hundred percent cab. Hundred cab though. Hundo. This is not a blend. This is really nice. For an aged cab, this is what you hope for. Oh, yeah. I mean, the smell is nice. Like, I like older wines. I don't know. I just, uh, I tend to gravitate towards these more. Oh, my God. This is good cap. This is amazing. Look. <laughs> it's a Pinot cap. That's like why I always tell people, I'm like, look, you age cab long enough, it'll taste like exactly. a Pinot. And it'll Same taste, thing with Barolo, It'll be too, so like, worth it. It'll be it's worth the aging. So. <laughs> hey, Santi, will you go give this to your mom, please? I just want to say, though, this is a really nice. Yeah, no, thank you for opening this up. Oh, for sure, man. Anytime, it's my pleasure. You know, I want. You know, I'm always proud to open up these older wines that I created or I made back in the days when I was I, a young buck. I'm, That's what cowboy would call me, young buck. That's <laughs> right. I'd be like a young deer. That's right. What's up, young buck? I got an OG called me Young Savage. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. You you know those OGs, those you older need guys, old timers. You need them. You need them to like you know they go uh, after it. You know they always uh. They always teach you some things, you know. They've been around. They've been around longer than us. They know they know what's up. This is, you know, if I had to describe something, I'd say this is like a Tempur-Pedic pillow in my mouth. 
Like, it's very soft, which is so nice for a cab because you don't always get that. Like, the tannins have really died down. I do here. like that 20-year mark when cabs hit it. I think the tannins are just different. Well, this is it. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of patience right here. Such a treat. This is literally, like, think about it. If it's, like, almost, what's it, tw- 2002. So, yeah, it is 20, 21 years old. 21? Going on 22 years old? Like, that's... Almost me plus five, six years. So, like, I mean, that's I mean, almost my lifetime. If like, you look at my label, look at my label. <laughs> it's a cowboy and bull. Check it out. Check it's it out, just Jesse. such a treat to be drinking this and to just. And that label was made, like, on a z- cheesy zebra printer. <laughs> this is awesome, dude. I love this. Look at that label, bro. Oh, my That's gosh. as authentic as it gets. That's OG. Yeah. I mean, if you talk to people that know me. By Cowboy and Bull. Jesse and uh, Miguel, if you talk about people that know me, and you ask them about Cowboy and Bull, they know what's up. Okay. They know Cowboy and Bull. I this tried is Bull. such a treat. Thank I love you. It, dude. I tried it. I tried that one already. So we are kind of wrapping up Surcos. Well, Luis, you've explained to us the initial steps to starting your own label, what you may encounter along the way, um, just the amount of networks and connections you need to make a dream a reality now that you've been here what are the wines that you make and where can we find your wines for people interested in you know branching out into small producers yeah so the wines that i make is a sauvignon blanc rosé and the reason i make those because those are quick turnaround wines you know those are the wines that i'm ready to sell and you know provide to the people to my audience in about four months um, I also make a Pinot Noir. Um, sadly, the Pinot Noir sold out quick. So, and it's these last couple of years has been hard to get Pinot Noir because of the drought, the fires, and this and that. And mm. I just don't have the financials to take a risk on these Pinot Noirs with drought issues, with fire issues, <coughs> smoke issues. I mean, mm-hmm. um, and then I, I do make Napa cabs. Um, you have to make a Napa cab. I mean, <laughs> which, most which, people, which man, what most I do. You're like, these are the Napa roots. Cab. Of course, Those you're making the ones, Napa cabs. <laughs> everybody asks, do you have Napa Valley on your label? And my answer is yes. <laughs> and I also make a Tempranillo, which is a Spanish variety, um, which I've made, and it's been a hit here in Napa. Everybody loves it. Um, in the near future that I'm coming up, I'm coming up, I will be releasing a Chardonnay, which I think is going to be good as well. And obviously more cab. Um, but those are the wines that I make, Jesse. And uh, anybody interested, where could they, like, buy your wines, find your wines, if they're not located in Napa, Sonoma, or in California? Where can they find your wines? So the place you can find my wines are a lot of restaurants here in the Napa Valley or here in the city of Napa. My goal was to make wine and be able to sell it here in my backyard, which is Napa Valley, mm-hmm. the city of Napa. And if I wasn't able to sell here in Napa Valley in my own backyard, then I shouldn't be in the business. Sure, absolutely. But that hasn't been an issue. That's a great I'm testament. all over Napa Valley. I'm in a few restaurants in Sonoma. I'm in a few restaurants in Davis. I'm in a couple restaurants in Auburn. Um, slowly but surely, I'm making my way down south. I'm trying to get you out there in L.A. Which is L.A. and San Diego. I'm talking to my buddy like, yo, when you're ready to sell one, just hit me up. So (laughs) hopefully I get down there, but typically you can find them here in Napa Valley at restaurants. Or you can go onto my website, 
surcoswines.com and you can order online. I can ship to you all over California. I can ship to you all over the United States. Just reach out and go to my website and try my wines. That's awesome. So support, support Latino small brands, producers. small brands, local brands from Napa. Micro wineries, micro like brands with history, you know, and, and just something that you can really. And also who are passionate about. Sink your teeth into. The, the product <laughs> they put out into this this world, this market. I think uh, most people just want to pump anything out and put a fancy label sticker on it and get a high price point and hope they can get some money back. But Oh, for sure. You know, when I started my brand again, I keep going back to when I started my brand, but, you know, for me, I wanted to hit home run. I wanted great wine. I wanted a good package. I wanted to, when it sits on the shelf, when it sits the shelf at the rest store, at the restaurant, I want it to be legible. I want it to be eye-catching. You know, it looks high-end, but it's not. You know, I mean, it's high-end in quality. Right, high-end in quality, but still you can afford it without, you know. It's affordable, good like, wines. Where I'm like, no, breaking your um, wallet. sorry, my lady, I don't think I can order that off the menu. Like, to, no, uh, this I can order, and I can I know I'm going to have a good dinner. paying the electric bill or buying this <laughs> bottle right. of Napa That's Cab. Right. Do I buy you flowers or a, a glass of wine? <laughs> <laughs> and I definitely say this hits the mark, so, like, with, with the wines we've tried today. And I will say, man, um, along your journey, I'm sure you've encountered other people who want to make wines and want help. Has that inspired you to maybe create a new venture after Surcos? So yeah, I am from Napa Valley. I do know a lot of people here in the Napa Valley. I do know a lot of people that want to create wine, create a wine brand, create a business of some sort, you know, and they're Latino, mm-hmm. right? And um, I also wanted to, you know, I wanted to bring all those aspects, all those businesses together and kind of help each other out because there is, you know, there is people that I know that have a cleaning service, that have a uh, shuttle service, a car service, that make wine brands, that are caterers, that are chefs. Bottling lines. That sell corks, labels, every aspect in the wine business, every aspect in the valley. So that's where I thought of I guess you call it a co-op, helping each other out. You know, I created Lely. Lely is L-E-L-I, which in my mind means Latinos in la industria. Mm-hmm. They're in the industry. And so, our motto is ayudando y apoyando. Ayudando y apoyando. Helping and, uh, and supporting. Helping and supporting. But you know what? I mean, it has been a uh, tough task because if you... You know how Latinos are, man. Latinos, me, me, me. They need that. How can I push. help me? They need. How does this help me? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I feel like I'm one of those persons where, if Miguel comes to me and say, "Hey, Luis, man, I need help with this," you know, I'll, I'm more than help him to make the connection. I'm gonna give him the connection with Jesse, so they can communicate and do what they need to do. You know, mm-hmm. um, obviously, work's not for free. You know. But if he does need help in any way, I'm more than happy to help him. You know, at a reasonable price. Let's just say, you know, mm-hmm. it's not free. Nothing's free in this world. But the connection, the networking, sure. the help, the supporting. It's a lifelong connection. It's a big thing here at the Napa Valley. And I honestly believe we need more of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't even know that you can offer service to somebody until you know that they have a need. Yeah. 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 
No, for sure. I mean, there's been plenty of people that call me and ask me, like, how'd you do this? How'd you do that? And I tell them, hey, man, this is what I did. This is what I didn't. This is what worked for me. This is what did not work for me. Yeah. But obviously, they're going to take what they want, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I make the connection. This is who I use. This is who I don't use. I use this person in the past, but they screwed me over. But these are the people that I use now. You know, you trust them. They help out. They're kind of on the same page. They want to help out and support. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, they want to make money. Yeah. Business is business. Sure. But like as a whole, with everyone sort of knowing and doing business with each other, you all kind of grow together, right? That's, That's right. Idea. I help Jesse. He helps me. And we both move And forward. that was uh, one of the first both things. both grow. When I met Louise, I extended. If you ever needed somebody to pour for him at an event, you know, be a stand-in, pour for, you know, a trade tasting, I'd be happy to do it. And because I just wanted him to know that he can get as much exposure as he can get possible and not be limited by it's only me and I can't be there. And, you know, by Jesse offering that, that means a lot because obviously I am a father. Sure. I am a husband. Yeah. I got a full-time job. I do sponsor Little League. I'm the coach. I'm the manager. Right. I do surcos on the side. I do live my life. And there is those times where I can't attend this event. Mm-hmm. And this is where people like Jesse help me out. You know, obviously I'm going to pay him for it. And I appreciate that. And I'm grateful that Jesse's offers to help me out. My man got to sleep too, you know. <laughs> and I'm happy to represent a label that I believe in. That I would support and, you know, uh, be happy to open up with anybody. And um, that's why I'm a part of Surcos, So, mm-hmm. You know, and, and the thing is, too, like, again, like I told you, Miguel and Jesse, like, take me to the dance. I'm going to find someone to dance with. Yeah. That's how confident I am with my wines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, these are my wines. Taste them. You're going to like them. Hopefully you like them. And then we're going to support. Yeah. Because if the wine's shitty... You're not gonna you're not gonna support yeah. mm-hmm. like this like like Luis is crazy, yeah. but the wines are good. Guess what? You're gonna back me up. Yeah. Welcome. We are joined with a special guest today, Paola Gallegos. She is the backbone to Surcos Wines, and I was briefly talking to Luis about just the support that you need from a, a partner that will go with your crazy ideas, understand how insanely passionate you are about said wine or winemaking or attention to detail or time away to make sure it's okay and anything you can elaborate on being there seeing it firsthand um first of all uh, it's i'm not gonna lie it's hard it's well worth it when i can see how happy this makes him And just to see everything that he's doing, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm always the more, I don't know how to say it, but I'm not a risk taker. I like to go with what's secure, what's safe. So when he comes to me with these crazy ideas, of course, like inside I'm freaking out. Like, oh my God. (laughs) Like, I want to say no, but I know how happy this makes him. And, I mean, like I said, it's totally worth it. And, you know, it always works out in the end. 
And uh, I tell my girlfriend all the time where we're looking for properties, we're saving up. But I tell her the one thing I want to do is I want to plant. If it's a quarter acre, a half acre, I just want to plant. I want to grow something that's my own that I can produce, like, like you know, like uh, Rancho El Cuaro. I just want something that's my own that I can say I had a part in it and not just, hey, some farmer sold me these grapes. <laughs> you know, so I hope that's a driving factor, you know, in the supporting system. But, uh, you know, along the way, any, uh, any advice you would give? these partners who are supporting these crazy risk takers <laughs> yeah just exactly. hang in there and be patient <laughs> and understanding he's extremely passionate like that's <laughs> all he talks about is circles this and circles that and how i mean he's just so proud of what he's doing and that's a part of why i joined since day one a yeah. lot that's uh i saw a little bit of what i wanted to be in him and i was like he can help me get there and uh since i met you i was like this is the type of reinforcement you need to Mm -hmm. make something become a reality that's a Mm -hmm. dream he does know his stuff so (laughs) that helps right right? you know i came into this not knowing anything about winemaking or the process or anything and i feel like i'm still not even halfway there but i have learned not even a drinking lot. one. But you know what good wine should taste like, yes, right? Yes, yes. That's the average consumer yeah. perspective where I love to gravitate towards. So, like, I want to make sure that people know it's a good wine. Yeah. And it's not just biased because yeah. someone I like made it and I'm going to say yeah, it's good. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, just, you know, hang in there, like I said, and be patient. Everything always turns out for the best. It's great to hear. So, Paula, please also tell us which one is your favorite wine. Um, right now, and I the safe answer is it depends. <laughs> so right now, I, I really am enjoying the cab. Um, that one and the rosé are my current favorites. The rosé is a there's quencher. I'd say that the rosé is a hit for me too as well. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the rosé right now. Yeah. Like, uh, I've just tried it today, but I could tell you, like, I would buy this for a picnic. This is good yeah. stuff from our. Previous wines, I would say, um, originally my favorite one was the Sauvignon Blanc, but it this time around it's changed too. Do you mean the one from Dos Lagos? Yes. Yeah. You got me inspired to make a Sauvignon Blanc. So. Well, Jesse, if you, need, if you need help, Jesse. That's what I'm saying. You know I know to who talk to. to call. I know who to call and I know who got my back. So, And it's not the Ghostbusters. Call Luis. <laughs> <laughs> so, mijo, tell me your name. Santiago Gallegos Gavan. Okay, and where are you from, mijo? Napa. Santi, you have an amazing childhood. You get to run around in vineyards. Yeah. You get to eat grapes off the vines. Yeah. You get to drink the juice. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about a day working with your dad. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. How does that go down? It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. We just wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and then go to the wine where uh-huh. we, we got the grapes. And right? Then, yeah. Okay. And then and we work. And then from there, what do you do? And then we just talk about it, and then we work, and then we take the grapes. Heck nice. yeah. And then fill them, and then we get this big box you put the grapes in. Right, right the bins. Right. Yeah, you got to <laughs> fill up your half-ton bins. You got to make sure <laughs> the fruit's taken care of. Hey, hey mijo, talk what? about the days we go to the warehouse. It's pretty good about the warehouse. It's pretty big. How do you help puppy? 
What's the wine? Do you lift the cases and stuff? What kind of work do are you, you doing? Do you fill the cases with bottles? You a puppy drive forklift, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no future seller master. <laughs> what do you tell your friends or their parents about puppy? He makes wine. That's right. Yeah. And what's the wine called? Surcos. What's your favorite part about surcos? Uh, about surcos, the wine tastes good. And smells good, right? Yeah, smells good. Oh, that's right. That's right. It yeah. smells good. You say it's the bomb. What, ab- <laughs> what about the days when we go to the rancho? We cut up the grapes. And at one time I eat one. That's you eat the right. grapes, huh? How are the grapes? Are they good? You like them? Yeah. They're pretty sweet, huh? Yeah, pretty sweet. Very sweet. Yeah. So, Santi, do you know the wines your puppy makes? Mm-hmm. Tell me. You know, Art, Rosé, mm-hmm. Sauvignon Blanc. Right, right. Cabernet Sauvignon. Mm-hmm. And which one's your favorite? Mm, Pinot Noir. Hey. Ah. <laughs> he's already like. He's now I know he's my son. <laughs> and, the, and the rose. Yeah, you like the rose go. too? Hey, 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 go hey, quick. Right turn there. around. You know hey, mijo. I like that. The rose's for the chicks. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Oh, the rose's for me too. All right. I Let like rose too. Oh, I like oh, the rose. For the famous people. Exactly. Come on, come on, yo. You know, come on, nosotros. Luis, man, thank you for sharing all this great knowledge, wisdom, experiences. That come with life. Thank you for motivating, inspiring others who may not be in this position. I would just like to thank you on behalf of Rife with Wisdom for opening these wines, sharing your time. We do like to wrap this show up with a couple quick hitters just to let people know the real you behind the Napa Cab branded. We want them nice and quick. Slap us with the answer. We like to ask our guests if they have a favorite wine region Great variety or a style? I'm not really big on wines from France, wine from Italy, and this and that. You know, for me, I am a big Carneros Pinot Noir guy. Yeah, that's what I like to hear. (laughs) Favorite wine memory? Well, again, I go back to the memory of me making that 2004 Pinot Noir for the Lairds. That was one of my favorite wines. Quick story. I had a bottle. I've been saving it for a long time. So when I moved from my old house to my new house, I was moving all my wine. I dropped a case. Oh, no. And the only bottle that broke was that 2004 oh, Pinot no. Oh, no. As it would be. So I went back and I told my old boss, Rebecca Lair, I said, hey, Rebecca, do you have any more of this wine? She goes, nah, we're sold out. She goes, Why? And I told her, she goes, damn, I want to give you one. Oh. That was just my memory of me making that one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's a oh, great wine memory. I know we've been talking a lot about wine, but do you have a favorite alcoholic beverage, whether it be a cocktail, beer? What's your go-to on a normal day? You know what? Like the saying says, it takes a lot of good beer to make good wine. That's uh, right. That's what I love. That's what so I, I do like my beer. Hey, is there a certain style of beer you gravitate towards? I do like uh, wheat beer, Hefeweizen's unfiltered. Hefeweizen, yes. Um, Ho Garden. Good. It's really Who Garden. I do like that uh, Hetachino, the, the one with the Red Bird or the Japanese beer. That's really stripe. good, refreshing. Um, Blue Moon, any wheat beer. Okay. Uh, favorite pair of shoes? Nike. Oh, Air Force yeah. One, baby. All white or all black? What do you want? All white. Okay. Nice okay. and brand new, shiny you white. Know who we talking to? Right, mijo? <laughs> nice, nice. Jordan. 
notable book slash movie slash TV show worth watching. Yeah, what are you watching reading right now? You know what, man? I don't read books that much, <laughs> but I do like movies. Matilda. Yeah. Forrest Gump. <laughs> oh, okay, yes. <laughs> Enchanted. The Sandlot. Oh, That's a yeah. great classic. That's a classic. Um, you know, any early 90s, 80s movies, those are the ones that I like to watch. Like, I just watched Stand By Me. Oh, nice. You know, that was a great yeah. movie. Yeah, you know, I've yet to see that one, but I, you know, I'll check it out. Miguel, uh, you need to watch it. I, I know it's a classic. I got to get to that. Um, artists slash albums you're currently listening to. Any... Yeah, what's getting you through your work days, yeah. your work week? <laughs> what do you listen to? What do you throw on? Country, so hip-hop, kids love musica, R&B. <laughs> so I like to listen to a little bit of everything. Rancheras. I like to listen to old school rancheras, Los Cadetes. I like to listen to uh, country, Josh Turner. I like to listen to uh, old school banda, Antonio Aguilar, Joan uh, hey. Sebastian. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am all over the place on music because I, it de- should be. depending on the moment and the mood, you know, when I'm winemaking, I do like to listen to kind of cool listen music because my mind's focused on winemaking. Yeah. Um, once it has like Mac Dre, Dre Dog, and all this, like your mind goes to a different world. Yes. <laughs> so. Nice, easy music for my making. Keep the mind calm and uh, focused. One of my favorite questions to ask our guests is, what's your favorite piece of advice you've ever been given? From your parents, from somebody you've encountered in life, anybody. If you had to just pass on some wisdom or knowledge to the next person you saw. So a piece of wisdom or advice to people is um, just listen to those people that are trying to help you. And trying to help you move forward with your dreams or your passion. Um, and also, to the people that are not trying to help you out, you know, just void them out. Um, and also, to take that leap. Take that leap. If you have that passion or if you have that goal, if you have that dream or if you have that hobby that you really, really want to do, just take that leap. And also, to don't be afraid to ask for help. Uh, Don't be afraid to ask for help. Preach. You've mentioned that before, and I feel like that's a big one, right? And just from being in Latino culture, there's a lot of pride. And sometimes you need to not just kind of... for help. You need to be able to just say, hey, I don't know this. Like, yeah. can you help me out? You know, like, I, I don't know this. Yeah, no, for sure. I don't know if it's like uh, yeah. Latino to Latino. Be. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's hard, but yeah. like Latino to American. Yeah. That might be a little easier. I don't know, but kids... When it's Latino, Latino, you're like, he's not going to help me. He's not going to support me. He's not going to get one over on me. Me va a mandar la chingada. He's going to get one on me. You know, he's trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. But there's only one way to find out. Sure. Did you try? Yeah. We can't wait for you to listen to the insight. Once again, if you want to follow Luis. My Instagram would be Surcos Wines. My Facebook would be Surcos Wines again. My website, surcoswines.com, and uh, that's S-U-R-C-O-S, wines, W-I-N-E-S.com. Otherwise, you know where to catch us on your streaming services. Thank you for joining us again. This has been a Ripe with Wisdom episode. We hope to catch you next month, next episode. Peace. Yep. Adios. <laughs>